the new year time so happy new year to all my fab listeners and thanks Mel for coming along to another episode of Glow West where we chat all about the wonders of sex sexuality and the body. I'm your host Dr Caroline West and as always I'm delighted to be part of the Tortoise Shack Network where you can find tons of content on politics, culture, society and of course me with this surprisingly sex podcast. If you like what we do please do consider supporting us at patreon.com forward slash tortoise shack to help keep the mics up and running or if you like please pop over to apple and rate and review and you can now also review on spotify so please do that if you feel so inclined if you want to get in touch the twitter and instagram is at glow west podcast so now as you know we know we talk a lot about sexual health on the podcast and having a look at the rapidly i suppose changing field of hiv is something that a lot of people haven't really kept up with and don't know about all the new changes that are in this area and there's some really positive ones and you know it's just I wish we could have a vaccine or a cure we're not quite there yet but there are some lovely positive changes but that's important that we listen to the people who actually have HIV um to think about the kind of language that we use and about those experiences. So to talk about that today, I'm delighted by the absolutely wonderful Luis Nogara Benitez, who is a journalist, actor, theatre director and entrepreneur from Venezuela. And he's been based in Dublin since 2013. After being diagnosed with HIV in the same year he moved to Ireland, Lewis went through so many different stages about his new condition. Denial, sadness, disgust, pain and relief. And today he has spoken publicly about, with the idea of helping so many other Latin American people based in Ireland, to accept themselves for who they are and not for their medical condition. Lewis and his partner Kieran are creating a network for artists, business owners from the LGBTQ plus IA community and so that they can feel safe selling their creations and exchanging love. And we do need a lot of exchanging love in 2022. So Lewis, thank you so much for joining me. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much, Caroline, for the invitation. I'm delighted. I'm so excited actually to be here, to be part of this project because I think it's so important and I think that you're reaching so many different audiences that needs to listen to whatever you have to say, whatever your uh, guests have to say and I'm delighted, I'm humbled and I thank you so much. Aww, happy New Year, you. Happy, Christmas, happy Christmas also for you too. Yeah, happy everything. <laughs> happy everything, covers it happy all. life. Covers it all. <laughs> happy life. Well, I love, I love the work that you do because you talk about HIV, which a lot of people for a long time have been so afraid to talk about it due to stigma and misunderstanding about what it really is. And it's a very different thing in 2022 than it was in the 80s when it was first, I suppose, came to public um, knowledge and understanding. So maybe perhaps would you like to share your story? Because, I mean, moving to a different country and finding out you have HIV, that's a lot of changes like all at once to deal with. Yeah, it was um, very intense. I like to, I, I, I lately started to think, how would I describe that experience that I had to go through? And it was like a little traumatic, I have to say, but it was uh, life-changing, mind-blowing, completely, completely different to what I was expecting. I had planned this um, uh, trip to Ireland. It wasn't a trip, it was moving abroad. Like I was moving to Ireland for good, to study English, to start a new life. I had three really good friends living here uh, since 2010, Betsy, Rosa, and Sophia. They were like having their life here, their lives here. And they were like, you know what? It's not as hard as many other countries, like English spoken countries where you can go 
where you can come like kind of uh, study English and learn uh, and at the same time get a job and kind of like have a life here. So uh, they kind of like asked us to, me and my, my other two friends to come over. We did, we came in 2013, right? But I was planning all this trip, all this amazing journey since January that year or maybe before, right? A week or maybe two weeks before um, I was getting a dental checkup to get my wisdom tooth removed. And the doctor asked me to, just for precautions, just for uh, um, normal routine examination uh, rules they had at the moment to get a HIV test, just for her to know basically uh, some of this. I, I wouldn't even know actually. Some people ask me, do they ask you these type of things to get like your wisdom to remove over there? And I'm like, eh, they do, but uh, mm. we're gonna go there or the yeah, reasons for it unusual. in a minute. Yeah, because yeah, I had my wisdom teeth out in August, I think, and they never asked anything like uh, that, I suppose. These type of things, because here is is controlled, like, you know, yeah, the HIV, true. people who live with HIV here is under medication and it's undetectable, untransmittable, so they don't pass it on that easy. Even if you go to a, a dental uh, procedure and yeah, you're bleeding or something like that, there's no contamination risk or there's no risk of infection through these type of things. But over there, it's different because of yeah. the lack of medication. But we're gonna talk about it in a minute. So after um, getting that, um, she asked me to get the, those tests done. I got them done and I started getting positive tests. Like over there, you need to do three tests to confirm that you're actually HIV positive. And after uh, getting the first one, getting the second one and getting the third one, like it felt like honestly like sinking. I felt, uh, disgusted I felt really sad I felt I didn't know really how to address that where to put it you know that we have like so many emotions and feelings in our head and our hearts and in that moment in that simply situation when they're like somebody else is telling you yeah you came back positive everything is gonna be fine like all that you can hear is like you're positive you're gonna die that's what I was listening to like that's all I could hear I couldn't hear everything is going to be fine. You have the treatment, you have this, you have that. All of that went muted in that specific moment or in all those kind of days that I had to go and go to the doctor and see, go another, take another test, get another same result, same result, same result. And it was like, how would I feel, right? I, I kind of like canceled the trip. I was like, told my friends, like, I, I'm not going to go. I can't just move abroad with this condition. I wasn't feeling right. And then my friends, yeah, if it wasn't for my friend that really pushed me to come over to Ireland and she actually had more idea of the medications and the treatment here, I, I would have, I, I could have been dead, to be honest with you, because over there, the situation is critical. So when I moved to Ireland, I went through the denial phase of, I don't want any medication, I don't want to take anything every day, I don't want to be married to this medication forever, I don't know what to do. I, I want to go out. I don't want to take because before the, the first medication was taken before going to bed and they really recommended to, of course, you cannot be drinking. You can, you need to have a, a, a kind of like a, a, an easier lifestyle. And that was the opposite of what I wanted. I, I, I lived 26 years of my life over there. And this was the very first time I went to see everything. Like, yeah, it's I a whole H. new opportunity. Like you want to hit yeah. the ground running and party and yeah. explore and you don't want to sit there and think about your own mortality. Yeah, exactly. And I thought, or I felt that HIV was on the way, but this is 
I only found out all that that it was that that all of this was in my head when I went to the guide clinic in Ireland, James's Hospital, and I started talking to people, to counselors, to nurses, nurses, and the work that they do are so amazing. They are so compassionate. They're so brilliant. It's just what you need. They're very direct to. They're like, what are you worrying about? There's nothing to worry. You just take this every day, and you don't need to worry about anything else. Oh, understand it that lovely. way. That's yeah, it's like understand perfect. it that way because there's no uh, reason for uh, for you to feel that, uh, that 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 you're like there's something is stopping you for being alive for 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 doing things. Yeah. So that was my first kind of like uh, stage, the denial I didn't want to do. That was actually before kind of the feeling disgusted and not really happy about myself. And uh, after going to the hospital and taking the treatment and you know having a different lifestyle, I I kind of accepted not publicly, right? It was okay. I knew my partner knew, my really close friends knew, but not all of them. And it wasn't until another podcast, the project of uh, Robbie Lawler and uh, all uh, the post pop podcast and all the work that they've been doing until I kind of like came out and I said it publicly. I said it to my really good friends. I said it to everyone. And I started putting it on Instagram as a way of connecting with so many people that are in the same position, same situation I was. And that, but that community feeling is so lovely. And even if we go back to that feeling of, that the nurses were so good I mean like I just I felt like almost crying there because I just think so many people don't get that experience of, of to be nurtured and and held and to be told it's okay and like here's a pill it's fine like like you said when you first found out you felt disgust and a lot of people feel like they're dirty or they're soiled and it's it's internal stigma but also maybe the reaction from other medical professionals that have not been so great historically and um I love that you had that lovely kind gentle experience and I hope everybody gets that because that should be the yeah. basic experience yeah and what is really interesting is like for example I have friends that are still um they they, they call it, we're still on the closet, we're still in the closet with HIV, but that, yeah, they haven't said it to their families or they, have said, they haven't said it to, or, or they feel embarrassed to go to the hospital and get their medications. Uh, they feel embarrassed to say it out there to a group of friends. They feel, I, I completely understand that. And that's why, we, that's why I'm here today, right? Because the stigma is killing us every day. Like it's in the back of our heads, in the back of our minds. We know that we're HIV positive and we can do something to change it or we can just sink in that feeling of I am less than all of these people. And that's another one more reason why I'm here today because it's absolutely fine to talk about it. And the closest group of friends that I had, they just feel informed by the like 100 percent informed by the by the stuff that i post or the things that we say the, the things that we reach on social media about all the amazing work that so many other people is doing about hiv and uh, to kill the stigma and they just feel informed and they just feel like thank like really thankful or I mean yeah thank you for telling me for letting me know that is not the same as aids that i shouldn't be calling it aids that I shouldn't be using it uh, in a pejorative way or degrading yeah. to anybody for that situation is like uh, 
eye-opening for so many of them too. It really is, but it, 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 this is a, a generational thing. I, you know, you remember in the, um, well, I'm not sure what the messaging was in, in Venezuela, but in Ireland, we would have had a lot of the same as, as America. Um, and a lot of those, the messaging was like, you get HIV, it's equivalent to AIDS. So it was written as HIV slash AIDS, as if it's the exact same thing. And then there were pictures of like tombstones and stuff like this. And it was like, the message was, you are going to die and, and HIV and AIDS is the exact same thing. There's no difference between it. And that's, that must be terrifying. Yeah. And we still fight to that. Like, we, I, 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 I listen to it every day. I, uh, it, it's like a slur. Like, you can call somebody else that has AIDS. And it's like a, a very, very horrible way to insult somebody. And you say, like, I don't really feel... <laughs> If somebody tell me trying to insult me, yeah, because you have an AIDS, I'd be like, no, I don't. <laughs> In second of all, I'm not like you're like actually no, we be very correct <laughs> about this. <laughs> actually, sit down and yeah. let's have a talk. No, here's a history lesson yeah, and it... a pamphlet. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it's kind of like um um it's hard. It's something that we still have to fight and educate people. It's not a fight. It's it's it's, it's a it's a journey of education and spreading love to everyone and letting them know that we're fine, that we're okay. And uh, also important for us to know that we're okay to talk about it with people and letting, and like, you know, inform them about uh, what, is, what it is to live with HIV today. Uh, what do we do? What do we have to do? What is the treatment? Where do we get it? How do I get tested? I've never got tested. How is it? Is it a blood test? Do I get it at home? Can I go to the hospital? Which one of the hospitals? So the, all this type of information that is being spread like for so many uh, organizations and foundations and people, uh, activists and that, it's like, that's that's what we have in our hands. This is our biggest tool. Like, yeah, that's what we have. Yeah, it's great that we have like, social media and podcasts and stuff. Because like you said, when you hear that, when you hear any kind of shocking news, if it was cancer or HIV or whatever, you don't really listen to the rest of the things. You yeah. just hear that immediate moment of like, oh, fuck, <laughs> like what's going on now? And you can't because you're in crisis like and that's only natural and stuff but then if you're trying to figure out that information it's very hard to operate in, in a crisis to kind of you know take what's there and stuff and um like you said the, the shame and the stigma part i think it, it is such a part of hiv that isn't necessarily associated with other things like cancer or um I don't, even like the flu i think that it's associated with um a sexuality as well because in places like america it was like the gay disease or gay cancer yeah. it was first referred to like imagine yeah. saying that about anything else like it's, it just seems yeah. wild now but that's what that was in newspapers it's, it's it's intense like for for us it just creates so much shame it just creates so much uh lack of self understanding ending if you get me like you just it, that's that's just something that that when you keep it for yourself when you don't say publicly that's something that you just feel that identify who you are forever and that people is going to feel in a wrong way uh, that, that's something that you always have in your head and you're like how would i act oh my god when you meet a new partner when you meet a person that you want to you know have a relationship with that's a huge situation when you have to say to that person be like hey you know i'm hiv positive because you fear the rejection that you know is going to happen straight away 
You don't have like the doubts of like, oh, would it happen or not? Oh, would that person be okay or not? You just already know that the person is going to reject you. It's in the back of your head. It's in there making you think. And that's just for the whole social construction about HIV. It just came. It, it appears when, yeah, uh, after, I don't know, like it appears when like, yeah, gay sex after gay sex. And then it appears that people started to be dying or then don't have any cure for it. And it's just like a huge crisis and it's all related to basically a contact, sexual contact between people of the same sex. And this is not nice for the religious, um, from the religious point of view. And of course the media is related to this. And of course our generation, the, the generation of our parents and grandparents are so strict with these type of situations and just feel is a death sentence. And yeah, so it marked who we are. I mean, until we said it publicly and we started educating people and be like, you know what, I'm not going to feel embarrassed for this anymore. This is just something normal as another life condition, another situation that I have to deal with in my life. And I am pretty sure every single person has one. So yeah, no, that's, that's a nice, yeah. healthy uh, approach to things. And like, is there something about you? Like, you're obviously a little bit more adventurous than the average person. You're moving <laughs> countries and, you know, yeah. doing amazing stuff like that. Or that's really creative and stuff. Do you think that's something in you that like led you to have such a lovely, positive outlook on things? I feel like uh, my friends, uh, my, my the group of friends that I've being uh, growing with they just push me to believe in myself even my partner like when we met uh, his reaction to me being HIV positive was like I cried and I was like devastated ready for him to go and like you know slamming doors or something and he like um actually fine what's for dinner like <laughs> you know it's absolutely okay. fine yeah. this is nothing that changed who you are this is something that it doesn't affect me as a person so that type of like when you get that reaction and then you have your really good friends reaction and then you get a bad reaction as well you're like you know what it is I, I just prefer to be positive and i just prefer to see it that way because i saw it in the other way for so long i saw it as i honestly i have to say i honestly saw it and i'm pretty sure so many people is going to relate to this i saw it and i got that um results and that diagnosis as I deserved this for the actions I've done in the past. So it's something that it's okay to have for a minute, but it's not the reality. It's, it's not true. This is not something that anybody deserves in this world. This is just a life condition. It just happens. It doesn't define who you are, but I understand. It's understandable. So, and it's also important for me to say too: when you feel that way, if you got just if you just got diagnosed with HIV, and you feel that the world is ending and this is the end, and there's nothing for you to do, just take a deep breath for a moment and and relax because straight away you're not gonna die for that situation. That's a, that's not a life condition that is gonna kill you straight away, and it has to be very uh, intense or it has to be very uh, extreme for you to die due to a conditions or a, a disease related to this. So if you've been diagnosed recently, if you've been diagnosed recently and, and you feel there's no end or no other way to do nothing else that you can do about it, just take a moment for yourself and breathe, cry it out, cry, laugh it, 
move it with your body. Take a huge, beautiful nap. Take a long bath. Uh, take a deep shower. Go and swim in the sea. Something that reconnects you with who you are because that's what you are. That disease, the, the virus, HIV, is just in you, but it doesn't define who you are. So it's absolutely fine. It's okay. Mm, I love how positive that is. That no, that's yeah. so lovely. And I think like it's a very stark difference to some of the um and I, I don't know constantly compare HIV to cancer because they're obviously completely different things, but the narrative around cancer is that it's a battle and you're a warrior. You're fighting this and it, you know, it's a, it can be a different narrative when it comes to HIV, I think. It, it, yeah. And I had to face, well, I think we all had to face uh, cancer with, with family members, with friends, with people that we know, and we all know how such a battle it is for the person that has it and for the family and the family members around. It is a battle. That's why they call it. You keep fighting. It's a battle that we're going to go together. It's a journey. And it is. Uh, with HIV, I say the very first stage is a battle because you're just fighting against yourself, against that stigma against the shame that you have, against the embarrassment, against uh, all of these feelings that, oh my God, I'm getting a new job. Am, am I going to get asked for a HIV test? Oh my God, I'm meeting this person that I really like. Is he going to ask me? Is she going to ask me? Are they going to ask me about my HIV status? Oh my God, I'm getting sick. Do I have to tell this doctor that doesn't know anything about it? My real HIV status. Uh, something interesting, when to get the vaccination, the, the COVID vaccine, and they were like, well, um, do you take any other medication? And it's like as simple as that for me to say, uh, yeah, I take HIV medication. That's <laughs> It's huge for a HIV person that doesn't feel comfortable with saying it to say it in that moment is huge. And I applaud myself a little bit, but I applaud you if you did it. And I applaud every single person that is listening to this and it did it at some point, had to say it out loud to a different person that they didn't know is huge. That's one of the biggest steps for you to understand that it's absolutely fine to be with HIV. And I wouldn't say that it's like the same fight and the same journey that you take with cancer, but um, it's similar to the kind of like the grief that you feel recent, like right after the diagnosis. Mm. Yeah, no, I could, yeah. Yeah, I could see that. And that, well, yeah. like talk us through the medication stuff. So before, you know, maybe, I don't even know the timeline, but like a long time ago, like it used to be like a cocktail of drugs that you had to take on a daily basis. And they could be quite harsh, you know, on your system. And some people might have preferred not to take them because the side effects, you know, might have been quite extreme. But it, it could not be further from that at the moment, which is fantastic. So you're just on like one pill a day. So yeah, it's just one pill a day. The medication that we take today is only one pill a day. You take it after breakfast uh, in the morning and it's completely different than the one that I was taking before, for example. Um, uh, the one that I was taking before, it was in the evening time before going to sleep and it had to be with empty stomach, right? Otherwise it will give you terrible nightmares, like vivid, terrible nightmares every single night. And also it will make you feel like some sort of dizzy, some sort of like very tired, at some point so it was yeah that's not fun it, yeah it's a completely 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 different situation with the new medication that i take right now i had to change it i changed like three times the medication and every time it's been like better and i feel so much better with this one this one doesn't make me feel anything i just don't feel anything i don't feel tired i don't feel excited i don't feel like absolutely anything. it's like 
it's like nothing but it is a law (laughs) just keeps me alive if you get me (laughs) that's fantastic like to come so far you know like hiv's been around since what the 80s well officially kind of like that so in 20 or 40 odd years like that's such a huge difference down to one pill that has no side effects and is just a regular thing and I think the next step from what I've heard is like an injection every couple of months or something which every, sounds every six months yeah every, so every you will have to six take six months like yeah so you will have to take two, two injections a year and that'll keep you covered for for the year uh and make you undetectable and transmittable which is the idea of all this and I think it's great and I I really applaud every single person that is working researching investigating like you know doing all this work for hiv and and that's a real fight like that's what i consider the real fight against the the, the disease the virus or, or all of that just fight to find the cure and trying to make the people that lives with it live a better life so i think it's, it's great and i love that you talk about medication and uh or you mentioned all this about the medication and want to know about it because for example in Venezuela where I'm from uh, the government hasn't spent or hasn't invested money in medication for people with HIV since 2016. Uh, This has made or like that has caused uh, like uncountable deaths uh, for you know, opportunistic diseases or like diseases related to the virus. So many people had to, so many people that was taking the medication for years had to stop taking it because they couldn't access to it. They couldn't get the medication in the same place where they used to get it for like years. And that caused, of course, so many like different things and like side effects on them. And uh, for example, so many people had to travel far, like really long distance to get the medication and the oil shortage and the other conditions and the crisis, economical crisis that the country has, has like, you know, impacted these type of things too. Mm-hmm. And it's important for me to say it because it's, it's where I'm from. It's, this could have happened to me or it's probably happening to somebody right now. And there's so many organizations and foundations and, you know, people that is working to make their lives a little bit better, they're like collecting money, uh, uh, like, you know, dollars or euros to buy the medication in a different country, usually in America, and send it over to Venezuela. This is without the government's help, which is insane because it should be the government which is in charge of the healthcare or the health system of the whole country. But well, yeah, yeah, I know for sure. And I know um, Robbie Lawler, who, who's been on the podcast yeah. before and is just an incredible legend of a human. He talks a lot about, you know, access to equal access to medication. And obviously that's really been highlighted for a lot of people through the COVID vaccine, because obviously Western countries are we're all now boosted and some places like Israel are thinking about fourth jabs and there's lots of people in different countries around the world who haven't even had one injection yet. So it's, it's kind of. I think that vaccine inequality is really highlighting access to lots of different kinds of medication. And I think the HIV medication is part of that. And, you know, the privilege we have to be like, we get our free medication, not a bother. And yet in some places they're reliant on people sending them abroad. And it's just obviously clearly not good enough to to do that. Yeah. And it's not fair also. It's not not fair. fair. No. Yeah. It's not fair for uh, so many people. And I only, 
I only say uh, this information, this data from Venezuela, but I am sure that they have similar situations in Ecuador, Bolivia, Peru, Brazil, which has a, a huge number of HIV cases and uh, Argentina and like the majority of the countries in Latin America where the health system is not really helping so much is not enough, I would say. Yeah. So yeah, and this, this is uh, the reality of, of, of my country, but um, uh, we, we do as much as we can, uh, that we don't live there, we, we say it, we say it publicly, we, we say it to, you know, people that is in the media, we, you know, put it out there, so maybe somebody will hear and like make a collaboration, a donation, a support or something for, for the people that is uh, struggling with these specific needs, yeah. Yeah, and it, like it, it is such a pity because, like you've mentioned earlier, the U equals U, and it's like yeah. it's so close to like we don't have a cure, but it's kind of it's almost there. So, for those of the listeners who don't know what U equals U is, will you explain that to people? Because it's fantastic. Yes. Um. So when you get HIV in your body, the first thing you have to do is go to the doctor and start taking your medication, right? When you start taking your medication as soon as a week or a week after two weeks, a little bit after you start taking your medication, the virus is not going to go out of your body. You're not going to get rid of the virus. You're just going to control it in your blood, which means that the virus is not being able to move from your body to a different body. That's undetectable. Yeah, when you take a sample of your blood, they cannot see the virus, they cannot count it on it. So that means like you cannot pass it on, untransmittable. So you take your HIV positive, you're taking your medication, your virus is controlled, it's undetectable, and you cannot pass it to a different person, right? Even if you have unprotected sex, we're not promoting unprotected sex. That's something that we don't promote, no. Yeah, because there's other no things in the for... world other than HIV. Yeah. There's still exactly. exactly. there. Exactly. I'm it's not like the promotion of Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for a for like for a couple or for some, you know, for for, for a person that is like uh, uh, only practicing uh, unprotected sex with the same person or or whatever, uh, and it's HIV or you're in contact with a person that is HIV positive, you don't have to feel that afraid that you're going to get the virus because that person is being under medication and the virus is controlled. So you equals you, something that we have to keep saying, and I thank you for mentioning, for bringing it up. Uh, we keep saying it. Uh, we have the, <laughs> the people that make t-shirts and ACT UP has done an amazing job and every single other organization, HIV Ireland and so many other uh, little organizations that are trying to promote it and put it out there as a nice thing. It's cool to be you equals you, you know, it's like how we get into the kids, like how we get into the kids head and be like able to tell them these type of information, how you bring this content to everybody. You know, I can say to my neighbor or like, would my neighbor know that she's over 70 years old? I would love to know that because it's important. It's health. And we we should we should all know. <laughs> yeah, and it's an easy way to think about it because like the science yeah. part is hard for a lot of people, you know, myself included. Yeah. You're like talking about molecules and cells, yeah. and, like most people don't. That's gonna go over most people's heads. But if you're simply saying if it's undetectable, you can't pass it on. Like that's you could fit that on a hashtag. You know, that's pretty yeah. pretty easy to get. And then yeah. so if you are on that 
super awesome effective medication does your partner have to take prep at the same time then so prep is a, a drug for some people who i hate the expression so who are high risk which i oh, yeah. that's really problematic in itself like but <laughs> Yeah, like just for people who may encounter other people with HIV or they may be, um, you know, some sex workers, you know, can get prescribed um, PrEP, things like that. So so if if you are with an an monogamous relationship with someone who's on effective HIV medication, do they need to take PrEP as well? It's it's uh, it's optional for like it, it's completely entirely optional. And at the same time, yeah, it's a, it's a good idea. It's a good idea if you feel like taking care of yourself and you don't want to be a person that is HIV positive, right? Uh, if I, I'm not really 100% sure how PrEP would work. I'm not really sure if it's a, a tablet a day, but I'm pretty sure it's something like that. Yeah, so yeah, it's like you take it. it to prevent instead yeah. of taking it to control the virus, in, in, uh, which is great because like, no, it's like we're not also like people with HIV positive is not also promoting for you to be HIV positive too. Do it, it's cool. Like we're not. Yeah, that's, no, that's, no. Not, that's not the idea at all. It's more so like know, get to know everything. So we're like, you know, fully informed of what's every like what's out there for us. You know, it's like okay, if I take this medication, I can well like if I having unprotected sex. I have a couple of friends, like single friends, right? And some of them are like, yeah, and taking prep. Some of them are like still thinking they want to take it or not. Some of them are like uh, not taking it at all because um, exactly the same. The commitment to take the tablet and look after yourself in that type of situation every day. It's something that you need to pro- program your brain and your whole life system for that. And for the ones that are afraid of, not afraid, like for the ones that don't want to be HIV, but still want to have unprotected sex, that is something that is understandable too. They look for PrEP as a way to, you know, be aware. And it's interesting. I like, my friends are like younger than me, like younger than 35 years old. And they're really into this. They're like looking, looking it up, looking for the clinics in Dublin, where, which one of the hospitals should I go to get the prep? Should I start taking it now? And I'm like, this is great. Like, I wish I had that when I was like 24, 25, because the information has spread, like it's it's all over, it's everywhere. And we just need to access or like get there to know. It's just normalized. It's just, that's just what you do. It's fine. It's not a big thing. And I love that. And I want to go back to what you said there about, oh, it's not um, a thing you, you take just for the, you know, because you're going to live this wild lifestyle. And there was mm-hmm. a guy in the US, um, Michael, I forget his surname, Wein- I want to say Weinstein, but I could be mixing them up with Harvey Weinstein. It's probably not a good thing. But he was like <laughs> the president of the American Healthcare Foundation. He was the guy who tried to bring in the law that you had to wear condoms in porn. But he mm-hmm. called Truveda, which is a, a, a brand name for PrEP, he called it a party drug. And I just thought, yeah you're the president of a healthcare foundation and you're calling medicine a party drug. Like that's really, and obviously he meant it as like, you know, like there's a lot of judgment in that about like, oh, you're being promiscuous basically. Like that's essentially what that statement says. And it's like, if someone that high ranking can, can make such 
gross statements like that like you just think what about all the doctors and everything when you go and ask them for it like is there a lot of stigma there do you think or like a lot more training needed uh, both there's a lot of stigma there there might be a lot of training needed and there might be a little bit of a thick skin for us to grow and be like yeah i like break because i like having sex with seven men in a in a night so can i get it or no die if you're having sex with seven people a night like here is a medal because like you need energy for that and like i'm way too lazy at this stage i'm like just bring some drinks and snacks like you know and have a good time keep yourself safe i love that like that's what most doctors should be like they should be like you live your life but just try and be as safe as you can yeah i under i i I also think that um there's a lot of like, uh, mm, how would I describe it? It's like these kind of like, people is interested in being like, uh, with something that is dangerous or like really close to dangerous things. So it's like, I like, I, I, no personal like, but like it's some, some sort of like, you know, I know I can get a, an STI or HIV or all of them at the same time and i'm still gonna do it you know yeah, and the, i think that that's something taking kind of thing. risk taking exactly yeah. that's the way that you to, to to explain it and it's like it's out it, it's out there in the sex in the sex world like in our sexual lives like you know even if it's with say partner uh, every night or every day or if it's with different ones it's like that type of like risk is there when i take it i'm gonna do it i'm gonna worry tomorrow it doesn't matter let's do it like that type of it you just have to embrace that too <laughs> yeah. you know just just keep knowing yourself and be like hey, for the next month i feel like i'm not gonna be the having the same partner every day so i might take care of myself in another way i don't know maybe yeah. i wear condoms or maybe i'll do this or i'll do that and that or like some sort of like knowing yourself too to be like able to face a situation and be like tell it to your friends yeah i take break because I have sex with HIV people, the people that are HIV positive, and that's a way to protect myself. Or I don't do it because I don't really care if I get it. So it's more so like openly, just normalize the sex talk openly, like the way you're doing it with the podcast. It's just normalizing all of this. Yeah. And I applaud that. Uh, <laughs> I, I, th- I th- uh, thank you. Um, I think we, we do need to do an episode maybe on like, that, that kind of risk taking, because there's so much of it. And there's, you know, there's message boards and forums out there of like i want to have sex bareback with hiv positive people because it's like a kind of russian roulette thing or like even couples who are like you know we want uh, like a whole bunch of guys to come over and bareback my wife and it's like you know and they, they might get pregnant or might not and it's like like that's really risky for for many many reasons but yeah people are really really into it so maybe yeah that's another episode that i'll, I'll put yeah. on the list because it's like that's yeah. kind of bordering on like fetish kind of you know uh-huh. yeah yeah there's a lot in that and i suppose if you're looking at you know a medical system that doesn't have a lot of sex education in the first place and then you add in going yes i like to do all this wild crazy stuff mm-hmm. you can you can see why people would not get the medical treatment that they should be getting because the doctors are like what (laughs) like what is Uh, going on here but yeah yeah. yeah, it's totally frustrating but but you were you were raising um 
you know like thank you for your lovely kind words about what I'm doing but what you're doing is like lovely and creative as well and it's like you're bringing education out there through art and and theater and everything else like talk to us about your work around this because I think that's such a lovely way to to get people involved not everyone's an academic not everyone's a workshop person loads of people are into getting messages in lots of different ways and I love that you create that for people it's accessibility really Thank you, thank you so much. I I only started with the HIV topic this year uh, that I created like a video poem for it. Uh, it was for World AIDS Day and I got invited to participate in, in the George and in, in the, in the night it was like um, a, a different performance and the, the drag performance they were there and they invited me to be singing a song. She was like, you wanna sing a song? And I'm like, yeah, I want <laughs> You're like, give me that I microphone, strutting up. <laughs> I would have been singing a song eh, like that. I don't, I didn't feel like singing it, but like, I felt like making this video and my partner, like we created in like three days. Like my partner just helped me here in the house. We like put it out there eh, in the living room. And yeah, I felt, I felt so good for doing it. And it's just when you create art, like you always have this doubt of like, oh my God, we Will people are they gonna get it the way that I am putting it? Are they going to feel that this is just pretty basic? You know, all the doubts that you get like as an artist when you're just going to show something. And then the other voice in my head was like, shut up and <laughs> shut up, do it, put it up. Think about it later. <laughs> and 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 did you realize later if it's good, if it, people like it or not, if you feel like you're going to do it. So that's what I did. I created this video poem. I've created, like I've, I've worked with a group of like, um, a theater group before, and we always talk about these type of subjects. We go for uh, women's rights. We go for domestic violence. We went to like tackle a little bit of like bullying in like work environment. And yeah, HIV, masculinity, uh, what, what it means to us. And also, yeah, HIV it's, it's something that is like, it's interesting to, to create art related to. I am not really full uh, on into creating or recreating some sort of like um, stereotyped gay man dying with HIV with quotes in his face and saying bye to his boyfriend forever in the bed in the hospital I, I just I that's something that it's it doesn't resonate so much done, but also it's, it's like done. if every like if every film was just sad and terrible we wouldn't want to watch it mm-hmm. so why should HIV exactly. be all sad and terrible all the time exactly. like exactly because like the life that we all have is not it's not really sad like it could be sad if something happened but it's not really sad so that's what I kind of wanted to go it's like we go let's go to yeah the political and celebrate the, the ones who passed and the ones who opened so many doors for us or yeah the ones that did all these amazing jobs so we can be here today talking or you know celebrate them without the whole feeling of we're sad we're gonna die because of this disease because of this virus that's that's yeah. something that it didn't want to do and that kind and of like a celebrate that yeah. perspective of like this is a terrible thing like it's yeah. you know if if we only viewed i don't know 
I'm trying to think of an example but like you know if you only viewed a certain thing or a certain sexuality or a certain gender in terrible ways like you yeah. know even for the, for example like the discourse around trans people a lot is like oh they have to do a transphobia all the time and obviously they do but like we need to also have those conversations with trans joy and also just the average everyday boring shit that everyone goes through like a trans person just wakes up and you know puts their underwear yeah. on the same as everyone else like it's the same exactly yeah and Same they have shit. to go to the shop and to the into yeah. the cleaning and like fold in the clothing after like most <laughs> you know, of it's... us are just really boring as we go through <laughs> the day and like you know you're not not anything different because you have a medical thing like it's yeah you know so i really yeah. like that approach to think that's really fab talk to me about yeah. the shameless event that you put on because oh, i'm very very bitter i missed it because i had my ticket and i missed it so tell me about it and i can live through you <laughs> yeah i'm pretty sure the the team is going to put it up some somewhere again very soon maybe before pride or something and shameless was i say the highlight of 2021 for me i got invited by stephen queen this great performer, this uh, uh, very <laughs> magical uh, that creates so many things, and they created um, this uh, cabaret kind of some sort of. It was all like it, it was meant to be live, right? The, it, it was all about the stories of uh, like Thomas Strong about the the worlds of the gay men in Ireland, and it was meant to be like oh, they created like these arts project through it or, or from, like based on it and it was meant to be a live performance like the queer cabarets that the, the folks have been created for a long time in Dublin but due to the pandemic they had to do it like a film which is for me was like so great because every single one of the performers had to have their own little space to create the atmosphere and everything and it was filled with comedy it was filled with truth it was filled with a lot of amazing spoken words and work from different like perspectives of what the gay queer community how we how do we move in ireland in dublin today we're thriving we're growing and what we have to say and we all have loads to say and for me it was one of the best experiences i've ever had and in dublin and it opened so many doors like i said it to today before like you just opened so many little doors for me because i just yeah, I've been doing this and that, and I, I, I used to be more so focused on directing theater and creating plays on my own with my team and being like, you know, backstage. Uh, until last year or like 2019 that I was on a show acting again after five years, and I was like, you know what, I'm a, I might give it another go. <laughs> I might give it another go I'm as an actor. I'm very glad you did. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me, because like, yeah, I'm just going to put myself out there as a queer actor, as a, what I am, and a queer creator and see what happens with all the stuff that I have to say. And yeah, Stephen Steven Soda invited me and they were like, oh, what, what, would you, like, what would you like to do? And so I was like, is there another Latin American person being part of it? And they were like, eh, no, there's a person from India and there's a person uh, half Irish, half Nigerian, part of the show. And you, I was like, nobody say this to me so i was like so i need to speak for all <laughs> for all every latin american no pressure person, no pressure <laughs> i just put the pressure on myself to be like if i'm gonna be out there because i did it in spanish also it was like monologue in spanish i was like if i'm gonna be out there speaking spanish i need to say something 
that we all kind of have to feel identified with. So I talk about a lot, I talk a lot about um, uh, stereotypes and prejudice and things that people think. <laughs> so I'm just thinking how to say it. it's like non-Latin American people okay. or, or what do they think about Latin American people, right? Yeah, not to yeah. just to not say Europeans, what do the Europeans think about the Latins? No, it's more so like the non-Latin American people, what do they think or the things that they yeah usually a gather from the experiences or from what they've heard about Latin American people, specifically with gay people, right? So I, I for example, a lot of things happen like that, that make me talk about this. For example, uh, I got a job in an office. I was working in, uh, in restaurants for five years. And then when I got a job in an office, moving to a different kind of like, you know, environment, get there and people is like, and how do you, where are you from? Venezuela. And how do you get this job? Are you like, how? Because... <laughs> Like, yeah, because Latin American people, I mean, at least people from Venezuela, you cannot get a job in an office if you're not uh, European, half European, or if you don't have stamp for resident yeah. permits to be able to work in an office. Otherwise, you just have the other type of jobs. Yeah, but that's, that's like just racism so and colonialism and, and yeah, see, <laughs> all the it, shitty isms. Exactly. So it's a huge stereotype that we all have to face with or... Uh, hi, what's your name? I'm Louis. And oh, who do you live with? Oh, I live with my husband, Lou, uh, Kieran. Oh, you're that yeah, you married, but you married for the visa, didn't you? Those type of things. Right. Yeah. yeah. Those. It's like a uh, no. We actually kind of love each other. I mean, what are you talking? Yeah, it's about? mad that people could just say that. Like, it's just going. Yeah. Oh, it's so easy. Though. <laughs> it's so easy for them to say. And we have this culture, like in Latin America, we can like with, with people from from Spain, like yeah. From Latin America, we have this culture for people from Spain that we speak the same language to be kind of rude. And it's fine to be rude. And it's fine to tell you that you just got married for your visa. Shut up. I tell, I know you. I know you. That type of like banter that if you don't know the person straight away, you're like, this is bad that you say that to me straight away. So that type of situation just kind of feel like drove me to 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 the stuff that we were saying in the monologue, the monologue uh, for Shameless, it was written by Maoling Navarro, my really good friend from 20 years. She is like co-director of the Viteatro company that we have here in, in Ireland. And she wrote that monologue. I just memorized it and did it in Shameless and it was great. I felt so good. I am so thankful for all the comments like people have been, <laughs> if you see some people around, oh, I saw it, I, I really liked it, thank you. I really, really, really appreciate that. I never really had that kind of like feedback from people and it was great same with the yeah the, no, <laughs> same with the fantastic. podcast yeah, with, it's, yeah, yeah it's great ways to educate people and to make things fun as well but also yeah. for you to have a good time as well and, yeah. and just yeah have fun so so <laughs> what's the plan for 2022 well i got so many actually <laughs> last year uh, me and my partner created this uh market Queer Market Dublin, uh, Quirk. It's the queer market for, uh, is the market for queer creators, artists, entrepreneurs, and small business owners in Dublin. And yeah, we started with this idea last year, and then this year we just put it together. Uh, it, it was one of the most kind of like rewarding experiences uh, I felt that we open and we offer this opportunity for, for queer creators to put themselves 
out there and it, and like present themselves to the to the audience that we were bringing, and that was great. Everybody had a great time, and uh, sold so many things that they, you know people started like painting these type of things in their house during the pandemic. And then they, the year after they've been selling a few and then they go to a market and they had the chance to say it, to show it to people after being in their houses for so long yeah. to be able to talk to people and be like, yeah, I painted because of this and that and that and that. And like, that's so rewarding nice. for so us. It's a community event as well. It's so. a community. Yeah. It's so so uh, for, for 2022, we feel like we're, we're like pretty sure we're going to keep doing quick market. Quick market is going to keep happening, possibly seasonal possibly for spring or maybe Paris day, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they have a lot stuff. of people in, hopefully. There's <laughs> just a lot of people in town. So yeah, uh, uh, for summer, maybe have two of them, maybe autumn and then Christmas again. It'll be, uh, that's the work that we're doing for our community and help them grow. Yeah. If we grow, like it's nice for us to grow. And then I've been working with theater. I have a project about masculinity that we started in 2022, in 2020, sorry. <laughs> but I had to stop it for the pandemic and it's a theater it's a dance theater show um, that explores a little bit what masculinity means to me and to to them Fantastic. to the actors okay. and I might I, I'm pretty sure I'm going to retake that this year and apply for the fringe festival see if I can get it if you know somebody maybe you can tell them that I'm really nice I, I will do my best I will try and bribe them and see see where yeah. that goes so because I would I would love to see something like that so yeah like sign me up yeah. for that so um I probably shouldn't announce publicly that I will bribe someone but um whatever <laughs> Shh, we won't say that bit but um listen Liz you're an absolute legend and I just I love talking to you and I just think like just your work is just so valuable in so many different ways for everybody whether you have HIV or not I think it's just just lovely to get to know people like you out, do, out there doing that work and kind of creating these lovely conversations that we have so I'm really grateful for your work and for you for coming on the podcast today so thank you thank you so much for the invitation thank you for opening this door for us HIV positive uh, artists slash creators in Dublin slash immigrants slash yeah. everything. You have a lot of, <laughs> lot of slashes. <laughs> you come yeah. there. So I really thank you for it. You're no a great ally in terms of like, you know, letting people know so many things that we all need to know and keep breaking the stigma. We're all breaking it. That's it. That's it. We're all, all doing our bit for sex education. So thank you. Exactly. Uh, where can people find you if they want to stay in touch and follow your work? Well, I'm on Instagram as Luis Noguera. It's like Luis, L-O-L-O-U-I-S. And my surname is N-O-G-E-G-U-E-R-A. You can leave it down there in the comments. And uh I have another one, the Quirk Market page, Quirk Market Dublin, and I have the B Teatro Company, to B Teatro with double O. And thank you so much. I honestly, really, really thank you so much. And I hope that whatever I had said and uh, get to make people feel something or like they feel identified with some of the stuff that I say. I just want to say that again, if you're being diagnosed with HIV today, yesterday, last week or a few months ago and you're still feeling that feel of shame and not happy with yourself uh, there is a moment that you're going to stop feeling that way don't pressure don't put so much pressure on yourself don't put any pressure on yourself just 
explore this situation that is happening to you, leave that moment of grief, and then you'll see how everything will come or will be better, started to feel better for you, right? And don't feel any pressure to say it out loud. Don't feel any pressure to say it to anybody until you feel the right person to say it. It's always something that you will feel. So make sure you kind of like connect with someone and set it. And, and then you see how everything is going to get better. I always said it, like the life is not going to, the world is not going to change, but your own world will change once you said it. Mine did. And I thank you for that. Oh, I just, I love your compassion to yourself and, and to other people. It's just it, more, 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 more. That's what we need in the world. So um, thank you. Thank you so much. And, I, you know, as we said, um, you know, if there's any listeners who are affected, I will put some links in the show notes as well to some Irish um, support agencies and places um, that you can go along with Lewis's contact details as well. So, yeah. Um, thanks, Mel, everyone for listening in as always always go get yourself tested you know it's always a good thing to know your status and like we said it's not that big a deal so um let's go and look after your health and we'll chat to you next time <laughs>